With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Michelle, are you on the on the line? Um, Joanne, this is actually Elizabeth. Michelle's dialing in by phone. Okay, that's good. Uh, Elizabeth, we've actually uh, started to record. Um, <laughs> I'll talk oh. to you. But what okay. what I you are the campaign organizer. Uh, I'd like to briefly talk to you because <laughs> you have the challenge of running a very untypical campaign. So hello, Joanne. Well, oh, hello, Michelle. How are you? We're all we're all tap uh, dancing as fast as we can. I'm going to briefly talk to your campaign organizer because I think it's absolutely fascinating what she has to go through, uh, and you too. But Elizabeth, briefly, how's this? How's life been as a campaign organizer, manager? Um, it's been really great. Um, I mean, not that I'm happy to work for Michelle. Obviously, we're facing challenges with COVID-19. Um, but there, um, it's kind of just a reminder of why this work is so important and um, why getting Michelle elected is so important because um, we need people in good government when you know things are good and things are bad. And um, right now we need really strong leaders in our, in our state um, general assembly. Um, so obviously it's a little different, we can't knock doors, um, but we're still doing our best to reach out to voters by phone and um, talk to voters in kind of new methods that may be a little untraditional, but um, they're working. I, I am on what? now, I'm sorry. I just wanted to let you both okay. know. Um, Hello, Bonnie's here also. Oh, hi, Bonnie. Oh. Yes, I asked my friend and associate, Bonnie DiCarlo, to come in because um, she always has some interesting things to say and since we are <laughs> going to be interviewing Michelle in a most um, unusual time, Bonnie, would you please tell people about the voting process, how that has changed, and what information we need to know? Yes. Um, we are being asked to please vote by mail in this election for a couple of reasons. Number one, nobody wants to go and stand next to anybody in line at the polls. And number two, we don't have enough poll workers who are willing to work in this condition of the coronavirus at this point. So you will be getting information about where your polling place will be. There will be many fewer polling places uh, in Allegheny County than there have been in the past. And so watch for information about that. That's the first thing, so you have to be careful. However, uh, it's much easier to vote by mail than to stand in line and risk your, your health. And so go to votespa.com or votespa.gov and ask for your absentee ballot. You can do it right online and mail it in, or rather email it in, or you can print the ballot and send it by mail. 
the address uh, where you will find it, but the address to send that ballot is 542 Forbes Avenue, and that's in room 604. The zip code there downtown is 15219. That's the Election Bureau or Election Department, 542 Forbes Avenue, room 604, and that's Pittsburgh PA 15219. You can do this and they must receive your application by May 26th. That's a new law. It's 15 days before election. Uh, and so we have much more time to register to vote or to get our absentee ballot in there. Um, if you want to make a phone call because you need information, the number to call is 412-350-4500. And that will get you the Election Bureau. Um, the ballot, once you receive your ballot, fill it in with black or blue ink and fill in all the little circles on it in Allegheny County and send the ballot in. Um, you must have it in the Election Bureau by 8 o'clock on Election Day, which is June 2nd. You must mail it in before so that it is received by June 2nd in the Election Bureau. So that's about what I know. <laughs> um, do you have any other questions about that? Uh, no, but I'm going to ask you to repeat the information um, at the end of the uh, broadcast because uh, especially this year, uh, it's the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment and for women who giving women the right to vote, and it's ironic, and this year it has um, highly disrupted the events that we many were going to have celebrating this most historic occasion. So all of us, please um, honor the passage of the 19th Amendment, making sure that you vote. I am delighted to have my guest, Michelle Knoll. Uh, I've met her several times, and I think that at this time, we need do need strong leadership and Ms. Michelle has a very interesting uh, biography. She's an educator, a nonprofit founder, and fierce community advocate. She is currently running for the state representative in the 44th district. Michelle has spent most of her life working to improve the lives of children, whether it be in the classroom, as a school administrator, administrator, or in her current role as a developmental therapist working with children with disabilities. The nonprofit that Michelle started back in 2018 has worked to deliver thousands of books to children across the Pittsburgh region. Uh, Michelle is a lifelong resident of Allegheny County and has raised her family in Ohio Township. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you very much, Joanne, for having me today. Nice to be here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it nice to talk to people? <laughs> you know, it, is. Like, it is nice. It is nice. It is nice. My, yes, my poor male, mailman, male girl uh, comes up the steps and I'm standing there ready to talk to them. <laughs> Just some social contact, yeah. One of the things that interests me, because right now the school districts are so disrupt, disrupted, um, talk more about your background as a educator and what you see as possible problems uh, for us coming up in the field of education. 
um, I have an elementary degree from the University of Pittsburgh and then uh, some years later got my master's in early intervention. So I've taught um, first, second, and third grade in regular classroom settings. I've also worked as a staff educator at the Carnegie Science Center. Um, I work putting inner city gardens in um, with the Pittsburgh Civic Garden Center, which is now part of FIPS. And so I've had sort of varied experiences in education and run a preschool. So I've been a, a director of a preschool. So I, I have a sort of a unique perspective in seeing, and been a, been a school board member, so I have a unique perspective in seeing all the different aspects of education from different angles. And um, one of the things that um, I have been privileged to um, be able to do in, in running was to meet a great many people who are experts in the field. And I had the opportunity to um, touch base with a school board president uh, yesterday. And she, I spoke with her about um, you know, what impact she's seeing in her school district. And one of the things she's seeing um, from the pandemic and the interruption of school is that it's very difficult for families to be juggling working from home as well as educating their children. And um, the stress of that, along with possible loss of income and, and food insecurity, is making things very difficult. This is a, a board president within my district uh, 44. Um, and she did say that the counselors and the nurses have continued to work reaching out to vulnerable students. Uh, the, the problem, you know, that emotionally is that kids are missing their friends. They're missing all those traditional things like prom and graduation. Um, little children are, are often missing. Um, I talked to one of my grandchildren the other day, and she said she had her, a special. And I said, what was the special you had today? And she said, Jim. And I said, oh, that's interesting, because she's learning online. Um, I have two daughters with children, and they're both working full time while educating their children. How we go back in the fall is still up in the air. I heard Dr. Hamlet from the Pittsburgh Public Schools this morning say that decision has not been made. Um, whether it's a brick and mortar school or whether it's an online school. And um, many schools are struggling with getting everyone access to online learning. He talked, and um, an expert in education who is the head of the Education Policy and Leadership Center, um, Ron Colwell, was, uh, Cowell is, was uh, kind enough to give his impression uh, from his standpoint uh, about the concern. We always say there's a summer slide where children lose some of the things you taught during the year and you have to reteach that as a teacher when you come back in the fall. And Dr. Hamlet mentioned having the second semester slide because we were unable to complete the school year as well as having the summer slide. So we have some children who are going to have a hard time uh, catching up. And then I was able to talk to a chemistry teacher um, in a school district in, a, in an outlying um, neighborhood uh, in the county and he's, he said he's, he's not allowed to do labs with children because it's too dangerous. They, you know, no, not even a demonstration kind of thing that would be somewhat dangerous. So he's having to rely on dry textbook instruction with, um, you know, questions. He feels the students are less motivated because it's pass-fail and it made the learning less important, although that's, you know, really was sort of the only way that people could go, the state could go. And only, sometimes only a handful of students are attending. He feels you can't replicate what goes on in a school building, that students are disengaged. And the importance, he feels, after this, ex this experience, that the importance of an in-person instruction between student and teacher can't be emphasized enough. He said his students are even contacting him. These are high school chemistry students saying that they are missing him and the labs. My cousin is a history teacher, 
and he had told me some time ago, really early on when, when they went to online instruction, that in some classes only about 40% of the students are attending. Um, and so there, there is a loss of instruction, a loss of time, um, and, and that will be something that all schools will have to make up for as we return to a brick-and-mortar setting. Oh, I'm often thinking that um, the summer vacation next year, even this year, uh, should, you know, summer school should be in session like uh, forever now at this point. We have, so, we have Dr. lost so much. Right. Dr. Dr. Hamlet talked about that, having extended school hours, having um, more programs after school, having an extended school year. The, the Pittsburgh Public School District does go 200 days. The state mandate is 180. So um, that, that might take some changes in the school code to be able to have children there um, for longer periods of time. And it, there, I think it's probably a worthwhile thing to explore for all school districts to see where students are, especially if the kids are not able to return in the fall. One of the things that um, um, I appreciate about what you're doing is the online videos. Uh, would you like oh, to talk about you. Sure, sure. We, um, I, I have a lot of, um, I, the expression in education, a lot of bags in my trick, uh, tricks in my bag. Um, when you are a teacher, you often have things that you want to um, be able to do with kids that are fun and interesting as well as educational. And so working at the Science Center gave me a lot of that. Working with preschool children gave me a lot more of that. Um, and just being a teacher and a parent. Uh, we did a video um, creating a bubble pipe that is really appropriate for little children. It's on my Facebook page. And um, kids, it's very hard for kids to suck the, the bubbles back in. Uh, and you just take a, a cup and you pierce the bottom with a straw. And there's several different ways to do this. You put a terry, piece of terry fabric over the top with a rubber band and then dip the top into a bubble solution, which I gave parents this, the uh, formula or the recipe to make. And then the child blows out, and very rarely can a kid suck that back in so they don't choke on the bubbles. And it makes this enormous long snake of bubbles. We did that one. Um, we talked about how to magnetize um, iron things around your house uh, to, to a nail. We magnetized a nail to pick up other metallic things. Um, we did a um, growing plants from the things you normally grow, throw away, the avocado pit, the top of a pineapple, lemon seeds, um, the bottom of romaine lettuce. We did one on that. We had uh, a story in the woods for Earth Day. We, uh, we did um, the Lorax, and then we also did the Very Hungry Caterpillar, um, in which my, my grandchildren, who were social distancing on the back porch outside, my grandson kept um, stealing pieces <laughs> of my felt board. So it turned out to be entertaining in another way <laughs> as well. And um, we have a couple more coming up that are, are also the, the one where you take plant parts and start a new plant is also something adults enjoy. We have another one coming up on uh, spring gardening, and my husband has a beehive, and we're going to be posting one about um, some simple, basic elements of beekeeping. So it's, it's been an entertaining part uh, for us, too, because it's a little more fun to film those. We also did a video on the census, uh, vote by mail, um, when the pandemic quite got, uh, first became um, quite serious in our state. We did a, a small video on that. And we are going to continue those as well. And we have an expert um, on Monday night, uh, May 11th at 7 o'clock, will um, be presenting um, some changes in Allegheny County about 
voting and um, the compression of the, the polling sites. His name is Ron Bandes, and he's with the League of Women Voters. And he was um, a cyber or a computer security expert at CMU, so he has uh, some very valuable information to pass along. Well, that's that's creative, and you know when you get get to the uh, state house, um, what do you see as your priorities? Well, I want to make sure that um, education is funded fairly and fully, so that the burden doesn't fall on the taxpayer as much as it does right now. When I was on the school board, we were funding at about 50% from the state, and now we're down um, sometimes below 30% of what we send to the school districts. So that's a priority for me. We have very few educators in Harrisburg, very few people who have stood in front of a classroom or um, been able to say, uh, as, a as a board member, a school board member, I know how much standardized tests cost. And as an instructor, as a teacher, I know how much time is lost in giving those tests. So I think that's something that I can have an impact on. Um, I have a, I'm very well versed in environmental issues. Um, my husband is an environmental consultant. He worked for Bayer for 30 years as an environmental manager. And I have a, a vast understanding of the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, and RECRA because I was there when they came in. And I understand um, the impacts on the environment and how that influences um, our health and our safety in the state of Pennsylvania. I want to make sure that we are always um, a state that allows unions to bargain collectively, and I would very much like to raise the minimum wage. Uh, yes, right now, uh, you know, it's ironic the people who are, who are literally our lifeline are the ones that are the, um, they start out as the lowest paid. Right. Right. I, yeah, I would very. It's. I, I hope when we come out of this that we have a greater respect for teachers um, because we're all teaching our own children now at home. Nurses who are on the front line, our grocery store workers, uh, the workers who clean our bathrooms. Um, the the um, union SCIU has suffered greatly. They have a had a had a great number of deaths, many many layoffs, um, because those are the people who are cleaning up after us. And so it's very important that we we really look look after those people who are most vulnerable. Some of our people who are not privileged enough to be in a union um, have no paid sick leave, have no vacation time, are making seven twenty five an hour, which is a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk. You know, that's no money left over for your child's shoes. Uh, they they work under that heavy burden all the time. And we saw as as we went into really the end of the first week that there were many families who didn't have enough food who were in those food bank lines the very first week. And it's, it's a shame that in a society as rich as ours that we have those inequities. And um, needing to look after our most vulnerable is important to me. Yes. Um, you have um, a, a nonprofit. Um, I'm a lover of books. I'm an author. And, you know, I sleep with books <laughs> wherever <laughs> <everywhere> I go. <laughs> There's books in this house. Um, what is your nonprofit about? So Progress Through Pages, I founded that in um, 2000, um, the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. I went to a conference. Um, I have credits I have to get as an early interventionist every year, and one was um, a conference I went to on literacy. And I was, this is going back a few years, and I was always kept in my mind what this woman said. She said that in a middle class neighborhood, in a middle class neighborhood, 
a child is likely to own 13 books per child in the home. And in an underserved area, there might be only one book for every 300 children owned. And so I, I go into homes as an interventionist. I work with children often, sometimes three years, I'm in the home every week. And part of what we're supposed to be doing as a developmental therapist, I'm the educational piece. I'm not the physical therapist or the occupational therapist. And we do speech as well. And part of that is the literacy, the pre-literacy skills that little children need. And I'm working with children birth to three. So those are things like turning pages, writing books, which means turning the book right side up, um, pointing to pictures and naming them eventually. And if the child doesn't have books in their home, that puts them at a disadvantage right away. And I, of course, as a therapist, might have a book or two with me that we can look at. But it means a lot to a child to have a book for ownership. So I originally thought that the need would be greatest in very young children, daycares, those kind of places. But it turns out that there are a great many school, school-age children who didn't have books. So we, um, I started to, started, I was seated by the United Way. They had a project, 100,000 books, to get 100,000 books into the community. And um, they have been continuing that. They decided to continue it this year. So I got my first couple hundred books from them, and then I got another seed from them of uh, uh, 400. This year they were supposed to give me 600 and many other nonprofits in the area, but because of the pandemic, they decided to wait till next year. And those were, uh, the first were gently used. The second batch was mostly new, and this, this next batch would be new. And um, then I started to have people start to donate books to me. Um, volunteers of my, can- uh, my campaign had books that their children were grown. They wanted to move off their shelves. And I received and donated, we donated over 3,000 books in one year to school districts like Stowe Rocks, Duquesne, um, Avonworth children who um, take uh, food home over the weekend in their backpack because of food insecurity, um, children in the um, Moon School District who live in Mooncrest, children um, at backpack stuffing events. There was one in Coriopolis this past summer we attended. We worked um, with Moms Demand Action, did a backpack stuffing that involved the Penn Hill School District as well as uh, part of the Pittsburgh Public School District. So we we supply the books. We don't do a readability, which means that you determine exactly what grade level the book is. We do sort of an eyeball. You know, this may be a second or third grade book. We provide them to the school. We hope that in most cases the school allows the child to self-select a book, that it's just not handed out because self-selection is really important in the child um, feeling as though that book is something that they're very interested in. And so uh, we have gotten that many books out into the, into the community. When um, we delivered the books to Duquesne School District the first time, we've taken two sets of books there. Um, I got a, an envelope about a month later, a manila envelope, that had a lot of letters in it from the children in the school thanking me. And a lot of them were this sort of the message of the day. If you if First grade teachers usually put a message of the day or something children have to copy off the board, and, and they would say, thank you very much for the book. But I got a very heartfelt letter from a young woman in sixth grade who thanked me, and she was a refugee from Syria. And it was the kind of letter that really breaks your heart, how much this book meant to her and how she was going to learn English from this book. So it, it has been very impactful. Um, on the volunteers as well. I had um, people reading at Stowe Rocks last year in first grade and kindergarten at lunchtime. This year we had a volunteer going to Northgate School District who we also donated books to. She was there every other week in a second grade classroom. 
and um, we provided books for them for New Student Day, um, as well as the whole school at one point. Uh, and it, it has been a really very <laughs> rewarding program for us as volunteers even. One of the things that um, you see school districts struggling with, especially during this time, is the uh, the amount of children that do not have the have computers or have um, you know I'm sitting here with a smartphone, uh, mm -hmm. but they don't have that. I have um, not one but a couple tablets, and right. um, how. You know, that seems, you know, in other districts that are much, uh, you know, parents are, are, are financially better off, there's such an unequal um, level here in this society anymore. Um, do you have any ideas how you would like to correct that? Well, that's, so that is a problem in the Pittsburgh region, um, the Allegheny County region, um, the disparity between the school districts. And even within some of the wealthier school districts, there, has been, there have been students who don't have access to computers or smartphones. And then even if there is a computer in the home, if the parent is working from home, the child is not always going to have access to that. So that means you have to have multiple, you know, uh, you know a phone, a tablet, a computer. And not all families have that either. So that is an issue that a lot of districts have struggled with. I know Pittsburgh Public has really worked hard to be able to get some donations and work with them. Even the school districts in my district, which are um, you know not as impoverished as some of the the school districts in the dis in the county, uh, there have been some pockets that they've had to work with. And I know that many school districts started out with packets, you know, the old-fashioned um, sheets that the kids work with, and that has filled the gap somewhat. I also think that just as a state, we don't have internet connectivity all over the state. We have a lot of areas in the, in the center part of the state, rural, rural Pennsylvania, even 15 miles outside of Penn State, not everybody has internet. So those students are going to be in a, in a place where um, you know, my, my grandchildren are very fortunate. They all have tablets or computers. They, their schools provide things. So they are not held back by that. But that is something that we're going to have to look at very, very seriously. Um, we're going to have a shortfall on our budget this year in Harrisburg. Um, some people are saying 9 or $11 million. And um, maybe more, I, that may be very, very low in estimate. And I'm concerned that education um, is often a third of our budget. And that's an easy target for people to take money from. And I'm hoping that that's not the case because our districts Within the 44th, there are going to be a shortfall of anywhere between 900,000 and two million dollars uh, per district in terms of revenue because of what's going on. So that's a concern to me too. I I think that um, along with Governor Wolf's idea of um, making sure that everybody pays their fair share, looking at that Delaware loophole so that corporations have to register in the state of Pennsylvania instead of Delaware is a more fair way to operate in the state of Pennsylvania. And it's important for us to be able to get uh, some of that needed revenue from corporations who are operating here with many, many employees and many, and many brick and mortar uh, buildings that we get corporate taxes for them to help fund our infrastructure and our public schools. OK, this is um um, you have one of the uh, points that you're very interested in is access to quality health care. And certainly that is obvious right now. Um, 
Yes. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I've had a lot of experience in the rural areas doing some, um, having uh, family and business associates and also uh, watching what has happened due to clients down there. And when you talk about the rural areas, you know, us in the metropolitan area don't realize um, the lack of quality care that is often in the rural areas from Oh, we used to, down in Fayette County, we used to have to go into one corner of the house and stand there on a walk to get access on our, our phones. Oh. <laughs> uh, That's but, um, yeah. yeah, Yeah, that is. Yeah. Especially when I balance it through. But um, what do you see as one of the ways that we could have quality health care in our state? Well, one thing that's worked for me since since we've been uh, quarantined is, or shut down, I shouldn't say I'm quarantined, but, um, you know, we've been staying at home, is I've had several important doctor's appointments that I didn't want to give up, and I was able to use telemedicine to communicate with my doctors, uh, once on a computer screen, but once on a smartphone, and that was very valuable to me, and I think that needs to be expanded. I, I think we need to expand our connectivity uh, to Internet in our rural areas. Uh, even really outside of Allegheny County, when I worked outside of Allegheny County as a developmental therapist, there were a lot of dead spots just outside of Allegheny County. And um, the the other thing that I think would be valuable um, through this uh, pandemic, I learned and uh, probably should have known this, but since I've worked in other counties, that we only have seven counties with health departments in the state of Pennsylvania. And I think it would be helpful to us as a state to expand that um, capacity so that we have more health departments that can keep their eye on things like this pandemic. Um, I, I do believe, you know, counties like um, Elk County, I'm sure, do have less cases because there's less dense population, but I also worry that they, they may have more cases than they realize because they don't have the capacity to test for some of the illnesses that we have. And the other thing that, that a lot of people don't remember is that if you are unable to pay for your own um, immunizations, uh, you know, your child's immunizations, you can get them at the health department. But if you don't have a health department in your county, that's a burden that, you know, you may have to drive 50 miles to get your child's immunizations if you can't afford to pay for them. Um, I myself have just gone um, into the affordable care uh, market uh, because of circumstances in our, our health coverage. And um, it was a rude awakening to me because my husband worked for corporate America for 30 years and what, what I had to do to figure out what of, which of my doctors were, were covered and having to switch doctors and, um, <clears throat> you know, how to manage that. My district, the 44th, is pretty fortunate. I mean, that's, it's not 100%, but there are a great many union members in this district, so union members tend to have very good health, health coverage. And... Um, there are a great many people who work for corporations. And so I think until you step outside of that bubble that you've been in, you don't realize how difficult it is for other people. Now, in my work as an interventionist, <clears throat> prior to the Affordable Care Act, I might see a child who was covered under Medicaid because they had a disability, but sometimes the whole rest of the family wasn't insured. The only person in that house that was insured had any health insurance at all was the baby because the mom might work cleaning offices or the dad might be a part-time police officer. Um, the older children maybe had, maybe one of them had CHIP or none of them had any other services. So 
<clears throat> it can be if there's a devastating problem for a child or an adult, it can ruin a family. They could lose their home or they could lose their ability to pay their rent. Um, you know, it, it isn't um, something, you know, people talk about it's a basic human right, and I feel that way, but I think it's also um, apparently not a basic human right for everybody, you know, and that seems unfair just because I was born into a place that I can access better health care means that I have a better outcome. Just because I was born into a better zip code than someone else, I have a better education. That doesn't seem like a fair fair shake. And the other thing about it is that um, you can't act like I'm never going to leave this community. People from other communities come in here to work or I go outside of this community. I want everybody to have a fair shot at education, everybody to have a fair shot at being healthy because I'm going to interact with those people. Those people are, are I'm meeting them, I'm working with them. And it's, it's, if you're going to be really selfish in the way you think about it, it's going to just help me and it's going to help the economy if everybody has a great education. If you're going to be altruistic, it's just fair that everybody has good health care and a good education. Um, I saw that one of the points that you're concerned about, um, and you mentioned this, to, um, uh, and people often, you know, it's popular, but then they, they um, clean air and water. They're not quite sure what to do. Uh, we all want to be, res well, I can't say we all want to be responsible. But, uh, many of us want to be responsible. But um, an important point for you is the right to clean air and water. It is. And I, and I think one of the very first steps I would make as a legislator would be to make sure that we fairly fund or fully fund, I should say, the Department of Environmental uh, Protection in the state of Pennsylvania. In, <clears throat> in the same 10 years that we've been fracking, uh, we have decreased our funding for the DEP 30%. I think it should have gone the other way. We just want to make sure that people are, are doing the right thing when they're operating within our state. So we want to make sure that we have the, the proper um, regulations. We want to make sure that we have the proper people regulating that. And it would be nice if we fund it, as well as pay the young engineers who go there to work out of college a fair salary so that they don't work for three years and then move on to corporations. And you can hardly blame them because they can make sometimes twice as much in a corporation as they do in a state. So you have more people watching it and making sure that the regulations are appropriate. I think that, that solves a lot of the problems. When my husband um, first started working was when the Clean Water Act came in and you know I, um, we went from just pumping things right into the river at that point into having much more sophisticated ways of dealing with treatment you know we, we had carbon-based and aerobic and anaerobic bugs that ate garbage and you know it, it has changed the complexion of Pittsburgh one of the things we need to remember is even though our air isn't sooty looking anymore because we aren't putting all that that soot into the air there are still fine particulates that find their way deeper into our lungs. So we have to make sure that we're being very careful about how we process the waste water as well as the emissions from, uh, corporate, uh, from plants so that we can try to get as many of those particulates out of the air because when they get further into your lung, they have better access to your blood supply and you're much more likely to get cancer, things like lung cancer and um, just by breathing in those tiny little particulates. And we see that with um, our coal miners as we sophisticate, you know, our, our coal mining equipment becomes more sophisticated. We're seeing younger and younger guys get black lung 
when you have big particulates like the kind of sooty air we used to have in Pittsburgh, they got trapped by your nose hairs and you could cough them back out or blow your nose and it would come out. These little particulates go way down into your lungs. And so coal miners, because there's more sophisticated um, machinery, those particulates and those, those particles are finer and they're getting further into lungs. And we're seeing guys with um, you know, black lung in their 30s. So in our, in our um, achievement for fueling our economy, we have to be very, very conscious of how we're doing that. You know, and, and that doesn't mean that you're, you're sidelining any unions because certainly the operating engineer, uh, engineers make wind turbines and solar panels. The, the carpenters make solar panels. The um, steam fitters are using, there's no Freon in any cooling agents anymore. So there's, there's lots of reno, uh, innovations that we've, we've made over the years that we can certainly um, be more proactive about funding at the state level so that we're, people are encouraged to use solar panels. People are encouraged to, to choose the greener option. And there are more jobs in, in um, certainly good union jobs too in um, the green economy than most people realize. Yeah. Well, we have been talking, um, oh, golly, almost uh, 34 minutes. So <laughs> I, what is um, the best way to contact you? You can send me an email at um, noel4pa44 at gmail.com, or um, I have a website, which is um, noel4pa44.com. Dot com basically so it's just uh, it's it, that's my website you can contact me either way um, and um, <clears throat> certainly someone will get back to you as soon as possible if anybody has any questions or comments and Michelle no 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 is spelled K N O L L sorry that's right <laughs> <laughs> we you have to yeah I'm going to repeat that slower guys um, it's no K O L L four F O R P A. No, it's not F O R. I'm sorry. It's the number four. I apologize. I didn't say that either. It's the number four, and then it's P A, and the number forty four. Okay. So repeat that slower again, Michelle. Okay. It's Noel K N O L L. The number four P A number forty four at gmail dot com, or our website is Noel K N O L L the number four P A the number forty four dot com. Okay, all right, uh, Bonnie. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask before we um, go wrap up? No, Michelle. It's really uh, very good hearing you this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I'm excited that uh, you will be in Harrisburg uh, in January. And um, Thank you. I believe your ideas about funding, about the internet, about access, uh, about clean air and clean water, I mean, we need that. Boy, do we need that in Harrisburg. <laughs> and so yeah. I know that you will be spending my tax money the way I want it to be spent. Uh, and uh, I think that that's when, you know, when we uh, go to vote, and I hope that everybody will be voting on June 2nd this year for a primary, uh, that you realize that every tax dollar that we send to our governments, the decision of how to use that tax money is made by the people we elect. And so please, elect people that think like you do. Elect people uh, that have the same 
aspirations and ideas and the same social policies that you would want to see put into practice because elections have consequences. <laughs> and uh, so it's uh, extremely important that we support people that think like we do. And Michelle, it's a, a thrill that you're running and you're going to win. And uh, we'll you. have another, uh, another uh, wonderful person in Harrisburg. Um, but in order to do that, we have to vote. So there are a few dates that I'm going to tell you that are important. Uh, May 18th is the last day to register to vote, 15 days before the election. Don't wait until May 18th, do it now. Uh, in order to do it, you can do it online and go to votespa.gov or votespa.com and the app, the vote in ballot will come up, vote by mail ballot. Please fill it out, send it in. If you cannot do it online, print it out, put it in an envelope and send it to the Election Bureau at 542 Forbes Avenue, room 604 and that is Pittsburgh 15219. Those ballots, the uh, applications must be in by May 26th, the week before the election, and the ballot must be in the election department by five o'clock on primary day, five o'clock June 2nd. So if you have to get it in the mail early, or you deliver it and hand deliver it to the Election Bureau there on Forbes Avenue. If you have any questions, you can call the Election Bureau. That number is 412-350-4500. We want everybody to vote. Look out, um, Michelle, you mentioned that you're having uh, Mr. Bandas on. <coughs> yes, on Monday, talk about Monday the election. Yes. Right. I was on that call that they had with the elect. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> I was on the call that they had with the uh, election uh, department and the um, voting uh, for the county, and they mm -hmm. had a big discussion about how they were going to set up voting polls. So please look in your mail, look in your emails to see where you are going to vote. If by chance you do not do the mail-in ballot, but in order to save your health in order to save the health of those who have to work at the polls on election day, let's keep it so that there are very few people who have to stand in line because everybody in Allegheny County has voted by mail. The one thing that you should know is if you have not already applied for an absentee ballot, you will get an application in the mail because Allegheny County is mailing uh, an application for a ballot to every registered voter in the county. So please look for that. Election day is June 2nd. Please vote. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, Michelle, do you have anything else that you would like to add as I move in to wrap up? No, I'm thrilled to be here with you today and thank you for um, having me and I appreciate um, your, your questions and um, I hope I certainly answered them to, the, to your satisfaction. Uh, yes, you did. And I would like to extend an open invitation to anyone who is running for office that mm. uh, would love to interview you. Mm. Uh, so far, uh, we have had Christina Hartman, who is running for uh, attorney. Auditor <laughs> General. 
<laughs> yes, I get the Auditor General, and now we have Michelle Moll, who is running for uh, State Representative in the 44th District, uh, and we're looking to get other candidates on. Uh, uh, as a business owner, someone who has worked with uh, businesses uh, over 35 years, it's important to know who's in Harrisburg, who understands the issues, because there are consequences that you have to live with that impact your business. So stay informed. Joanne, be before, yes. you, before we finish, would you please tell uh, everyone how they can access this podcast? Uh, yes. Uh, actually, you can. Um, the link will be on my Facebook page. Oh, I will send a link to both um, uh, Christine or Elizabeth and um, Michelle. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> because um, you can go on TalkShoe and you you go to TalkShoe Empress of Biz, uh, code number eight zero zero five zero, and my page and my shows come up, and you can just click on them. You can download them. You can listen there uh, without having to download. The good thing is that. When you download, then you can listen to it. Well, you can listen up to it at any time on TalkShoe, but you can also put it on a device and uh, listen it, listen to it in the car. Again, that is right. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elizabeth can put that link on their website and uh, on yes. their page. Yes, I I send it out, um, and um, I send out a copy to the link, and uh, actually. Uh, so that they can go in and click click on that from the link. Put that on their page, and it's there. It takes you immediately there. So, Thank um, you. And also on my uh, Facebook page, The Empress of Biz, I also have a link that people can go to. And then we post it on Positively Pittsburgh Live, and uh, we'll post it. Um, I'll send you a link so that people just can go on to the Facebook page, click on the link, the conversation, and uh, send it out. Thanks so, so much. I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, again, I extend the invitation to any of any of you who would like to be interviewed. I don't care what party. Uh, just be prepared for questions. Our goal is to get information out. Our goal is to help people make decisions, especially during this time. This is Joanne Forrester, the Empress of Biz, and you can make, reach me. Uh, my office number is 412-440-6969. That is 412-440-6969. And the email, Empress, E-M-P-R-E-S-S of O-F Biz, B-I-Z, at gmail.com, Empress of Biz at gmail.com. Michelle, thank you. I uh, look forward to, um, frankly, I look forward to you uh, being in Harrisburg. I think particularly now we need uh, people with good education background who understand the situation we're in and that um, our future depends on our children being educated properly. So uh, good luck, ladies. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Yeah.
All right, we are stopping recording. Have a good and safe week. Take care, Mom. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.